Hello, all. Welcome to another edition of Past Deadline. I'm your host, Dylan Getz, Editor-in-Chief at Central Michigan Life. Uh, today, we're here with one of our reporters, Teresa Holmesy, who took last semester off from reporting to go on a study abroad trip uh, to Ecuador, only to kind of have it cut short by the pandemic. So how are you doing today, Teresa? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, I'm in Houston right now, my, my home base. Um, You're back with your family then? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I know we were talking the other day and you said you, uh, well, you love being with your family, obviously, but you miss your friends too since you didn't see them uh, during all that time where we were actually at school because you were in Ecuador. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what temperature is it in Houston today? Just, just one. Because um, in Mount Pleasant, it's like 50 degrees. Right now it's 72 here. Um, our high is 84. It was raining, so that temperature is kind of lower. It's a bad day for Houston then. Uh, ugly weather day yeah i mean it's it might get better who knows <laughs> it, that's all right that's all right I'd, I'd be living it up if it was 72 here there's still a lot of people outside in mount pleasant though even though it's 50 but you know they're kind of bundled up so so let, let's kind of dive into your story so let's start with you just telling us a little bit about um your study abroad trip before it got canceled right so where did you go why did you do it what did you do on your trip? Okay. Um, well, I was supposed to be in Ecuador for four months. Mm -hmm. um, two months were supposed to be spent in Quito, which was the capital city there. And the other two months were on um, San Cristobal, which is an island. Uh, it's part of the Galapagos. Um, in both places, I was staying with a host family. So I was, I, it's part of like an environmental science program because I'm a journalism and environmental um, studies major. So I was just taking um, conservation, um, natural resource management classes, some anthropology courses. Um, How many students were you, were you there with? Well, I was part of, I enrolled through a sister program called IES Abroad, and there were 32 students in that program, but the total international students who were doing the two months in the Galapagos, two months in Quito. Um, there was around 53 of us. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. good amount. Were you able to kind of, well, you stayed with a host family. What was the host family like? Well, I had two host families and um, I mean, they were great. Like I had Yolanda back in Quito and she was just this um, kind of eccentric. Uh, she was in, she did art restorations. Oh, wow. Um, and so like, every night she would have a beer and just do art <laughs> like um and she had her son ignacio who was like this uh sassy 14 year old boy who um the first two weeks that i was there he was suspended from school because he set a girl's hair on fire oh my goodness what happened yeah. there? um <laughs> what what happened there why did he send somebody he just had some matches and he was just <laughs> in class um and he was sitting behind this girl and like you know she'd let him play with her hair and stuff and he just like curiosity just <laughs> overtook him and he said he wasn't really thinking straight and he just lit the match and yeah. just kind of set it to the girl's hair i guess um, it happens to the best of us yeah <laughs> it does ignacio is is probably one of the best of us so if you is, ask me. is that is that the best ignacio story then or, or is there a better one from, from oh, he was just like him and his mom would argue in Spanish every night. And I would just sit there. I don't speak Spanish fluently, but um, 
they would argue and she called she would be like Bicho! which is like it means bug that's what she called him and they would argue and because he was suspended right um and he always wanted to go out and party um party massive partier yeah he puts me to shame how much he parties <laughs> um he's like 14 years old and he's yeah. going out every every weekend um, with his friends and he was all like, Mama, please, I want to go party. And then she, she's like, no, you, you can't be setting like people's hair on fire, you know. Yeah. Um, but. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, I, I haven't heard of Ignacio yet. So I had to, I had to yeah. kind of investigate what this, what this guy was all about. Right? Yes, that was in Quito. And my um, Galapagos family was a, more of a, like a. It was weird because we, we kept getting additional family members. It started off with just a couple. Oh, really? And then then her um, the Fanny, her mom, and her nephew came over. And then this guy, um, the guy, Stalin, his two um, sons came over. And then we had, like, a full house. Oh, and so people were moving in while you stayed? They were, they were um, visiting. Oh, okay. But because of the pandemic, they I think they're still there. Oh, right. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, so let, let's kind of get into that part. When did you know that you know the pandemic and coronavirus was going to seriously affect your trip? I mean, we all kind of heard about it, um, you know, pretty early on, but we didn't know, you know, the scope of this. Um, yeah. Until you know early March. Well, um, I mean, we all heard about it in the first. I had heard of it was in January. Yeah. Um, and it was actually from Ignacio. Um, he was really worried about it. He heard about it in China and he was really concerned. Um, mm-hmm. And Yolanda and I were like, it's fine. Like we mm-hmm. kind of wrote, wrote it off as like Ebola part two, which mm-hmm. is really terrible because Ebola still did affect people. But you know how things are when it's, it's far away, you're really removed from it. It doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like yeah. a problem. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of how Corona was for me until the middle of March. Um, Other study abroad programs had been canceled in Asia and in Europe. And we kind of saw, we kind of heard of them. And I had people message me like, hey, is your program going to be canceled? Um, Like, how is this affecting you? And I was like, no, we're safe. Like, it's fine. Um, There's been no talk of our program being canceled. Yeah. Um, at all. And that's kind of like what this story, my, my personal experience with this was, it was a series of unexpected changes. Mm -hmm. One moment where like, we're safe, we're fine. We're living in paradise. Like we were on the Galapagos. I, my daily, my daily routine was I would go to class from 9am to noon and boom, there was like the beach right outside of the university. And like, we'd have lunch, we'd have like, you could have a beer on the beach. And, um, like, yeah, <laughs> sometimes, up, weren't you then? What? You were living it up, weren't you then? I was, you know, I was. On the beach, it'd be over. Yeah, I was, we don't want to talk about how much money I was spending every week. Um, <laughs> but like, I guess that's kind of good. I'm saving money now, but I can't go out at all. Um, but yeah. yeah, I was living it up on the Galapagos. Obviously I had schoolwork and we were doing field trips and, um, I mean, we were really enjoying our time. Um, so whenever we were hearing about this Corona stuff, we were, we were on an Island in the Pacific ocean, a thousand miles away from, um, Ecuador. 
Mm-hmm. And we were just like, it's not coming here. Like we're fine. Um, yeah. This isn't going to affect us because we were just so removed. None of us were really following the news that much. Um, why would we? Like we had a beach, you know? Yeah, um, we're out on the beach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I had people messaging me and I was like, it's really unlikely that my program is going to get canceled, which mm-hmm. in retrospect is um, yeah. hard to say given that I'm sitting in, in my closet in Houston right now. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, the first I had heard of it getting canceled was um, it was Thursday. It was um, March 12th. I have the exact date. Mm-hmm. I had, I was standing in a bakery and I was waiting for like an iced mocha. And I got the first of many emails and it happened to be from the CMU Office of Study Abroad. Right. Um, and it said, CMU has canceled all remaining spring semester study abroad programs and asks students to return home by March 20th. Yeah. And this caught me, like this came out of left field. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was going to go to work on a project. I got a final project and I was, I had a nice mocha and um, there was a beach and they were just like, you got to be home within a week. Yeah. And none of the other students had received any, any of a similar word from their universities, their home universities. Um, at this point, Ecuador did have Corona cases. Um, there were only 17 and they were all in Guayaquil, but we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, we're on some tropics, on some lovely islands. Um, and I had a project due the next day, Ice Mocha, the beach. Um, so that was our, our first little warning. There were three other CMU students, including me. Yeah. And we were like, we're not going home. Um, <laughs> kind of confused. Like, so what, what was your first thought? Like, did you act right away? Like, did you start looking for flights or stuff? Or like, you know, what did you do? Did you contact your advisor? Or, you oh, know? no. I, I wrote a petition. Um, that was my <laughs> first plan of action. I was like, I am not going home. I've, mm-hmm. I've reached a level to where I, I consider that place like a new home for me. And yeah. it felt really, it felt significantly safer yeah. than what was going on at the U.S. Like we heard some, um, some some distant thing happening in the U.S. and we're like, oh, good thing we're here, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, to to be frank, San Cristobal does not have um, a hospital. Like it does have a hospital, but it's not equipped at all to handle Corona. And another thing that I should mention is there are airplanes, and they are coming from Guayaquil which is the hot spot for Corona. Mm. So it's not like we were completely um, like cut isolated. off. Yeah. 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 But it felt that way. And sometimes how things feel are more important than how they actually are. Well, um, and I understand too, like the reason, you know, why CMU made that call, like, you know, they just don't want to have the liability, right? Like, you know, it, it's just better to be safe than sorry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why in the petition that I wrote, I wrote this email, um, we were asking that um, CMU, like we, we, CMU has no light, like no liability, no responsibility for us. And we want to follow what the program is doing because the program wasn't canceled at this point. Um, None of the other students had received anything. Was the program program like later canceled? Like after you guys, you know, a couple weeks later? um, Well, I'll get to that. 
Um, because this is this there was a lot of changes and they happened very quickly yeah um what happened was that same day that i received that email um we wrote a petition and we decided like we're not leaving ecuador why would we um however the tito university because there's two campuses this is one university um it has like an um a Galapagos campus and the Quito campus. Mm. Um, classes were canceled on the next day for the next day in Quito and also on the Galapagos. And we were like, why are they canceled on the Galapagos? Like, we're fine, right? Yeah. Um, but we enjoyed our Friday off. Um, <laughs> and little did we know that that was our, our last Friday, like um, yeah, was, on San Cristobal. For, for us too, we left for spring break and it was like, Nobody knew that we wouldn't be coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but we all kind of had a feeling, like at this point, yeah. The fa- this this CMU email was hanging over my head, mm-hmm. and then um, our our program said, you know, we 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 think we're gonna take you guys back to Quito next week um, because we just want to play it safe. Like there is no hospital here, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we were all, we had a week left on the Galapagos, um, to our knowledge at that point. And we were all very upset about that because we were, we still had about a month and a half left. Right. Um, but this happened to be the start of our spring break. So we, we were like, okay, we have, we have spring break. We're going to enjoy it. And then we'll go back to Quito and then maybe I'll start looking at airplane tickets. That was my plan. Like, okay, I'll go back to Quito. I'll be there for a week. And then I'll go, um, CMU can't possibly expect me to be back home in a week. Um, mm. That's just not enough time to plan things. And yeah, I ended up being back home in less than a week. Um, now that I like look back at it, they said yeah. I had to be back by the 20th and I was back by the 17th. Mm. Um, and I only knew that I was going to be back on the 17th on the 16th. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah. So let's kind of get into how the flights work. Like, so was, did you get another update or something like later on that made you kind of kick into gear and, and try to get a figure out how we're going to get home? Yeah. Well, we were on the Galapagos. They said he had a week left. Um, this was on Friday that we were told. And on Saturday, we had a spring break island hopping trip. Yeah. We were going to go to a bunch of other islands with our IES program. So the 32 students who were part of that program um, got gathered up 7.30 in the morning. um, And I left while my host family was sleeping. Um, I had packed a bag with Mm -hmm. just clothes for five days. Um, We went, we got on our boat. We went to Floriana. No, no signal, no cell service or anything. And I saw those infamous Galapagos tortoises um for the first time and it was poetically and um a little bit ironically my last day which again i still didn't know at this point um we we snorkeled there we enjoyed the beach and then we got on another boat we went to isabella a different island um and when we got to isabella we also got within cell service range oh okay so that's when your um, blew up then Yes, we had like group chats exploded. We were bombarded with emails. Our phone blew up. 
um, our phones were like blown up and we got news that Ecuador is closing its borders on Monday um, at 11.59 p.m. Um, at this point, people were already calling home and they were saying like, we're getting a plane ticket, we're leaving. Mm -hmm. And um, we understood that we were coming back to Quito. We, we, we understood at that point that there was no longer a week left on the Galapagos. Like yeah. our, our tour guide, our, the, the people who are, who are driving our boat and the program advisors were like scrambling because suddenly they have to get 53 students off of the Galapagos onto the mainland so that way we can fly back out to mainly mm. the U.S. Um, and at first, there were there were many plans made. The first one was that um, the next day we were going to take our boat ride, four-hour boat ride back to San Cristobal, our home base, pack our stuff, um, and fly from there to Quito. That night, I also decided, like, okay, I can't stay as long as I wanted to. Um, and I booked my first flight to Houston, right? A um, couple hours later, within making this plan, yeah, advisors change it up and say, new plan, instead of going back to San Cristobal, your host family has been alerted. They've packed your stuff. It is currently being shipped to Baltra. And um, tomorrow we are going to go to Baltra, which is an island I'd never heard of. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing it contains were um, an abandoned U.S. military base, an airport, and then a bunch of um, yellow iguanas. Um, so the next day, we, we woke up at 4.30 in the morning. We got on this boat. We went to Baltra. Sure enough, my luggage was there um, that my host family had packed. And they, I had, I had my laptop and my wallet and my passport and everything. Like I was just totally counting on um, this family that I had known for like a month at this point to collect all of my things. And they were just there. And I never, we never got to say goodbye or anything. Um, so that same night we arrived in Quito and we were in a hotel, like caught in limbo. So by then it's like the end of the day now and you're in this city that you've never been to before and supposedly the next day you're supposed to fly out um well so we were um on our spring break trip right we were in isabella some random island and then the next day we went to a, the airport on a different island yeah. and we're back in quito oh okay okay so back in quito back in quito okay and um, the same thing happened again, where my host family packed my things and dropped them off at the airport for me. Mm -hmm. um, so it happened twice where my, my things were packed by <laughs> <laughs> just like others. Yeah. And um, once we were back in Quito, uh, we started, it, it happened slowly. Um, the first like 32 students made it and then some others trickled in and within like two days, all of the 53 students were back in Quito, which I have to say, like, I really, really am grateful and super appreciative of our program advisors mm -hmm. for being able to turn around this quickly and mm -hmm. accommodate all of these really sudden changes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quite a, quite a feat to pull off. I mean, I can imagine, you know, being in, yeah. a, being in a different country and being responsible for, you know, college students at a time like this. Yeah, and coordinating like fifty-three students to get right. off of the these islands. The thing is, this was during spring break, so 
there were students scattered throughout all of these islands. Yeah, everywhere, right? We weren't no, we were no longer on one. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like five on Santa Cruz. There was thirty-two of us on Isabella. There mm-hmm. were like twelve and San Cristobal. You know, we were just everywhere, everywhere, and they somehow managed to get us off. Um, yeah. So, how many days did you wait then in Quito for for our flight to get back home? Well, um, I had my first flight booked. Yeah. It was supposed to be at like Wednesday, um, Wednesday, like early in the morning. And um, that flight got canceled. A bunch of students had already made it off. They had already left Quito and made it home mm-hmm. because they got the earliest tickets. Um, and then the ones that were remaining, that's when tickets started getting canceled. Yeah. And so I lost my first ticket. A bunch of other students did. And this is when, when people started to panic because we, we could tell that restrictions were being tightened. Like mm-hmm. Ecuador was suddenly, um, sh- like planes weren't coming from the U.S. to Ecuador, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Ecuador said no, no people are coming in. So there were no planes to take us out. Yeah. Um, basically United, Delta, all those major airlines mm-hmm. were not available for us. And we were on the phone with the U.S. Embassy seeing if we could get like a chartered um, yeah. flight. At the, U- the U.S. Embassy at this point was very unhelpful because this was also a sudden change for them. Mm. And unlike our program advisors, uh, they were not able to make arrangements as quickly. Yeah. Kind of, um, they, you know, yeah. Yeah. Coming out of left field. Did they know mm-hmm. they're, I assume they, you know, knew, knew you are there in the first place, but yeah, that's got to be hard to coordinate. Yeah. Um, especially because they weren't just coordinating. 53 they were coordinating literally every single american tourist that was in ecuador at the time yeah yeah. um and a bunch of um other just any american who was there was trying to get out um i had my first flight canceled and i booked another one but i had this idea this feeling that like okay this flight is also going to get canceled and um there was a point where there was only nine of us left. The, everyone else had managed to get off. Yeah. And I was within the last group of nine. We were sitting in this hotel. Um, all of our flights were getting canceled. And we decided to go to the airport and see whether or not we could book a flight from the airport. Yeah. Um, except they weren't letting people in to the airport unless you had a ticket. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they want, they, it, was, it was like... They put the walls up. They were like, we want to keep as many people, like as, as few people in here as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I managed to get into the airport, but that was only because one of the, the guards who were standing in front of the door were standing a little too far away from the door. And so I just kind of slipped in behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were no like ticket booths or anything there was n- no place for me to buy a ticket in the first place. Yeah. I did feel pretty cool being able to like slide in there though. <laughs> so when um, you got in the airport, it wasn't even what you expected. You couldn't even buy tickets or anything. That was how, that was how many few people were in there. I mean, there were, there was a decent amount of people there who already had flights, but right. they were trying to, they were like, you have to buy your tickets online, but all the tickets we were buying online were being canceled. Um, 
and so is this catch 22 like yeah. we can't seem to get an we can't seem to get an air uh an airplane um yeah. and it was just you know <laughs> yeah so um, so what what was your actual exit stra- exit strategy then how many how many hours did you i guess spend in the airport and how did you end up uh getting out of the country well, we weren't in the airport for very long because we weren't able to get a ticket. So we went back to the hotel and um, this is at this point, there were nine of us remaining and we were sitting down with our program advisors and um, Tanya, she was going over our options. Mm-hmm. Um, like she was really stressed out. I don't think she had slept. Um, and once again, I really commend to Tanya and Priscilla who are our two um are really fighting for us at this time um and there wasn't there was a plane that was supposed to fly out the next day on tuesday and um it was a 9 a.m flight and that one got canceled that was our like last option Mm. um however two of the nine students got an email um saying that they had a flight arranged for them and we're like what how just so just two of them did they both go to the same school or something or um they were gilman scholars oh okay and their scholarship intervened and just arranged a plane for them with mm-hmm. a bunch of uh peace corps volunteers and fulbright scholars and gilman scholars right yeah. and so two of our students happened to have this scholarship and they got this plane and we were like how do we get in on this plane um yeah, yeah. How do I get out of here? So we got some um, phone calls. We managed to get on this. It was a chartered flight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we managed to get like this kind of sketchy ticket. We weren't really sure at this point um, how, you know, confidently we could believe that we had a flight. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a flight from Guayaquil to Miami and we're in Quito. So we have to get from Quito to Guayaquil first, right? Yeah. Um, there were two ways in which we could have gotten there. A 10 hour bus ride. Um, or we would have to get a flight. And that's when there was news of the airport is going to close. Oh, man. The airport was going to close the next day at 6 a.m. That's what the mayor said. The one in Quito? Yeah, the one in Quito. Um, the mayor wanted to close that airport. Mm-hmm. And our flight was around um, 7. Mm-hmm. And so we could risk that, that the airport wasn't going to close and that this was just like an offhand remark made by an official who doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, or we could take a bus ride. Um, and that bus ride also, that's when the provinces started closing. So we point between crossing between provinces, get stopped and turn around. Yeah. Um, we decided to take the, the air, the airplane option instead. So we re- go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm like, this is a lot of information. So, yeah, you can- yeah. so, so you could have taken a bus and risk getting, turned around, you know, nine, nine hours into your trip to, uh, to the airport or fly to the other airport to fly to Miami on a ticket that you didn't feel was reliable in the first place. 
Um, wow. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a movie script right there. Yeah. Um, so eventually you got to the, to the next airport, uh, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Um, we went to the airport and we got our tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a weird, it was a weird ticket arrangement because it was just a list. It was a list with our names on it. Oh, wow. Um, so that's, that's why I felt like it wasn't a reliable ticket because it wasn't official in any way. It didn't have like an airline on it. It was just like, we didn't even have our seats or anything. Yeah. So, but we were in Quito and there were nine of us. And um, I knew some of the people, like some of them were uh, at this point, good friends of mine, but there were other people who were in the program that I, I didn't know. And um, I can say that this, this experience was definitely a bonding um one because we started at that airport like really uncertain whether or not we were going to make it to Guayaquil and mm-hmm. Miami you know um but we made it from um Quito to Guayaquil and we sat in Guayaquil for like eight hours um our flight got delayed by a couple of hours because they were trying to accommodate for as many Americans as possible oh, okay and we finally got onto our plane in Guayaquil. And once we were in Guayaquil, we felt like we were pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were there on the plane, and then we went. We got to Miami. Um, from Miami, I had a flight to Houston, and that was the next day. So once yeah. we made it to Miami, it was fine. But this, we had gone about thirty-six hours without, with like on two hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. And my yeah, luggage got lost, oh, and really? it was just like a whole like. Did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever get it back or no? Yeah, I mean, that was a whole different thing. I'm not going to get into that, but like, yeah. Yeah. So, how how long did you go without eating and sleeping at one point? Were you counting the um, hours? Well, we were pretty we were pretty well fed because we were in this airport, and we were like. None else to do. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have anything else to do, but also we were just kind of like, "F it, our trip is canceled. Like, we're gonna splurge." Um, we had cinnamon, like, <laughs> living it up. Yeah. yeah, this and it was weird because this is our first interaction with, um, seeing how the virus was affecting people. We had been so removed from it on these islands where no one seemed to care, and this wasn't a problem. And suddenly we were in the the, these massive cities um and that's when we were like oh something something is weird here like something's changed and um there's already throughout this whole thing there was already a lot of uncertainty um we didn't know whether or not we were going to make this flight we didn't know if we were going to have to wait for the u.s embassy to try to get us on one Mm -hmm. um we didn't know like where and when we were leaving um but also, I had been gone from the U.S. for about two, two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what I was returning to. Um, like, I didn't know what, has, what home had become mm-hmm. in the wake of this COVID-19 pandemic. Right. Um, what what did your uh, so like what did the people close to you think of this like were your parents super worried I assume they, I assume they were um well were you able my, to speak to everybody you know or a lot of people did want to speak to me mm. um and I just had to shut them down because 
there was every hour there was some sort of new development there was some sort of change in plans that to try to update every single person who cared about me which is a lot (laughs) um, to try to update everyone on what was what's going on that's just that was just too much and so i limited to just my dad my dad was the only person who knew what was going on and he was the one who was helping me arrange flights he spent seven hours on the phone with united yeah. um trying to arrange like get to, to see if he could get me a flight mm-hmm. and, um so he was the only person that was really in the loop yeah um meanwhile i didn't know what was going on in the u.s i was just trying to get back there right so that last flight that you were on then was was everybody from you know the rest of your group trip on that flight then like you guys didn't leave anybody you know for a later no, we split up in miami Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And it was a very, it was a very touching goodbye because we didn't, I mean, we didn't expect to be saying goodbye to these people this early. And mm-hmm. I had grown kind of close to them, even throughout just this like travel, this, all this traveling chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all like hugged. Um, at this point, we were like, if one of us has Corona, like we're all going down anyway. So um, we were, we had our, 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 goodbyes and um we went to our different direct flights mm-hmm. um i stayed the night in miami because my flight was in the morning yeah and um arriving in miami was really strange i was still trying to speak in spanish to people who didn't who didn't i didn't need to do that to yeah um and i i went to the hotel right and i took a taxi and my driver, he was this Haitian man named Ronnie. Mm-hmm. I got into his car at 3.30 a.m. And he had been waiting at the airport for 14 hours with 20 other taxi drivers. And I was his first customer. And this is my, this is, I'm saying, I'm saying this because this was my first encounter in the U.S. It was yeah. Ronnie. Yeah. He was a taxi driver. And I was so curious. I was like, what's going on? Like, how are things here? And he was like, business has been terrible. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it for me to sit here anymore. Um, and I'm losing more money than I'm making. Mm. And that was that was my first interaction with seeing right. how um, yeah, cause this was, COVID was affecting people. So that was that Thursday then? You said it was what what day in March is this at this point? This is like Thursday. Um, what are that? Thursday this was i arrived back in houston on thursday okay and i got my email from samu on march 12th Mm -hmm. so i came back i was finally home march um 19th it was the 19th when you actually were back Mm -hmm. perfect okay yeah yeah by then we were you know it was like a weekend to social distancing and you know uh stay home orders were kicking in stuff like that so Mm -hmm. so yeah so crazy stuff. So were you relieved to be home and, and done with it? Um, oh, that's done a pretty that question. Least, at least the chaos of trying to find a, um, you know, hotels and, and flights and everything. But, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm sure you miss your trip. Yes, I, I definitely do miss my trip. Um, even now is a very uncertain time. So we haven't completely left that. Yeah. Uh, it's significantly calmed down since that one week where I was stuck in limbo of where I was, where I was. Yeah. Um, I went 
from four airports in like three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the more time that goes by, the the less stressful it, that moment seems because I'm losing all the substance of it. Right. Um, I feel that way about my trip too, which is, is a little sad um, mm. that I, it's starting to become like part of the past when yeah. it was so much rooted into my everyday. Mm. Um, I obviously never got to say goodbye to San Cristobal Island, my host family, mm. um, the friendly restaurant owners that I had become acquainted with, um, my favorite beaches. There was this Catholic church on the island, um, an artist I had met, um, this bakery where I would get banana bread every single day. Like I never had my my last slice of banana bread. Never had your last slice, huh? Yeah, and I, I obviously like I am upset by that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I understand why that had that happened and I like it's just it's kind of what the situation is i i'm really grateful that i had the ability to experience all those things in the first place and i do i do think that that was a very fulfilling experience would i have liked to stay there for my full time of course i would but everyone has had their plans be canceled Mm -hmm. and um it's it goes beyond plans like obviously there's people who are dying and this is something that has shaken the entire world. I'm not even going to get into like the whole economics of it and yeah. how this is affecting people in I every mean, way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know anybody who doesn't know somebody who's either been laid off or even their own job. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it, it feels a little bit selfish of me to be like, Oh man, I wish I was in Ecuador. Yeah, um, and, and that's the thing too. Like, through all of this it's kind of hard to point a finger you know what i mean like you can't blame you know the the only thing to blame is this virus right like you know we wish we could have took every precaution we could and you know it, there's a possibility that the u.s could have taken more precautions more early but like it's not like you know either way this virus has ravaged communities and yeah you know you, you wish you could do more but you, you just kind of feel helpless at, at some point, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that after this is over and, you know, it's still very uncertain when that will be, um, that this, something good will come out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for disappointment right now, but I also hope we can learn a lot from such a time. It's yeah. very... <laughs> Yeah, there's been a lot of, you know, like we kind of see things changing uh, for the better already. You know, people thinking of better ways to do their jobs or more efficient ways to do this or or that. Or um, That's kind of been one of the, uh, you know, bright points of this is when everything changes like this, you know, things are bound to be different after the fact, probably for the better. Um, so, um, you know, that's that's kind of been a silver lining, of course, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's a two-sided mm-hmm. um, thing. There's, there's good that can come out of this and there's also um, more injustice too. Mm-hmm. Like there's regulatory rollbacks on 
certain emissions um, mm. were restricted. Were like in in an effort to try to boost the economy. Were mm. threatening other lives and contributing to further exploitation across yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah, that's been uh, it, it's it's been really kind of wild to see all this play out. You know, especially in the state of, state of Michigan, where most CM lifers are. You know, we've had a couple just crazy stories over the past few days. But I'm sure Texas is just the same. So um, anyway, thank you, uh, Teresa, for sharing your story with us. And, and I want to urge everybody listening to um, stick along with CM Life for, for more coverage of, um, you know, the pandemic and everything that's going on. So thank you so much, Teresa. Is there anything you'd like to uh, add about your trip or, uh, or about your, uh, your coordinators for getting everybody together? Well, I mean, I'm very grateful for um, obviously Priscilla and Tanya. I know there was a whole team working behind them, a nameless team that I don't know, but I really appreciate what they've done. Um, One final thought that I do want to end this on is that like, I'm very, I've been very privileged enough to have never experienced this level of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hope that this is a practice in solidarity and an exercise in empathy with the rest of the world. Um, it's somewhat inspiring to me to know that these phrases that have now become part of our normal everyday life, like social distancing and um, stay at home, like the shelter at home, um, that's something that is being practiced around the world. And that's kind of, it's kind of inspiring in some ways that it's something that we universally share. Mm-hmm. Even in, in that, there's different levels of have and have nots, but I'm hoping that maybe we can empathize in the future whenever we hear something terrible happening in some distant, faraway lands that it yeah. feels a little bit more real to us. Exactly, yeah. So so thank you, Teresa, and, and, and be sure to follow uh, Central Michigan Life on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, also our Instagram page. Um, And that's all we got for you in this edition of Past Deadline. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening.